Hello there. Science fiction is an existential metaphor. It allows us to tell stories about the human condition. Isaac Asimov once said, individual science fiction stories may seem as trivial as ever to the blinder critics and philosophers of today. But the core of science fiction, its essence has become crucial to our salvation. Tell me how many lights you see. Yeah! Oh! Four lights! So this is how liberty dies. Thunderous applause. Game over, man. Game over. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening. I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. I'm Cozy Raffensperger. And I'm Dave Sellers. And tonight, we are talking about the 1980 classic, our review of Battle Beyond the Stars. If you've never heard of it, it came on the heels of Star Wars and uh, looks a lot like Star Wars, but isn't Star Wars. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later tonight. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about what's going on into our sci-fi world. David, you want to start us out? Why, certainly. Um, I am watching the new season of Lower Decks and loving that every minute of it. Um watching House of Dragons that has been entertaining if not cringeworthy at a few moments but uh, so far so good and what the heck else am I doing oh we've been watching Manifest oh us too yeah November 4th coming right down the pike baby I'm glad you're excited Uh, my wife got me into watching that and uh it's. I, I'm waiting for the payoff here. It's like, okay, yeah, you, you got another vision from God. Great. What adventure are you going on this time? Okay. Why are you getting them? Like, what happened to you? Come on. It's three well, that, seasons are, now. Yeah. Yep. Let's get to it. Um, did you, did you get? Did you get to the end of season three yet? No, no. Okay. We are beginning, beginning toward the mid of season three, I think. Yeah. Um, well, the, but, just yeah. just so you know that season four will wrap the series up, so there will be a payoff. Oh, good. I, so. I'm I'm hoping so. Yeah. Um, and just playing through the Mass Effect trilogy again because I can, and it's great. But yeah, that's really about it right now. Awesome. Are you reading anything? Uh, no. My my daily podcast grind is enough to. Uh, Keep my ears busy during the school day when the phone's not ringing off the hook. So, yeah, there, there we go. There we go. All right, um, Miles, what's going on in your sci-fi world? So I rewatched uh, Battle Beyond the Star for our review. Uh, I didn't know Resident Alien was back on, and so I came back on last month. So I'm a few episodes behind, but I started watching the first episode of. Uh, uh, the, the season two, uh, it took a break during season two and it's back. Um, I watched the new quantum leap, uh, earlier today and I, and I, and I liked it. So I'll check out the next show when it comes back. But, uh, I think it, uh, it, it you know, it, it, it's a nice continuation from the original show. 
I'm also enjoying House of Dragons, and yes, uh, there are places where you definitely want to cringe. Um, I'm watching Star Trek Lower Decks, uh, She-Hulk, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Um, I think I have an episode behind in that. I'm looking forward to Star Wars Andor, which I think starts tomorrow. And um, as far as what I'm reading, I just finished reading a Star Trek novel, Living Memory, by Christopher uh, Bennett. And I just started reading another Star Trek novel. It's in, uh, in the Picard series, uh, Second Self by Una McCormick. Yeah. I wanted to watch the Quantum Leap episodes. I'm glad that you're liking it. I uh, I went, I saw them advertise it, and then I went to look for it, and then it wasn't out yet. So I need to look at that a little bit more tomorrow then. Mm-hmm. But do they have, uh, who's the guy that w- w- did the original Quantum Leap? Um, Scott Bakula was, was yes. Is he is he in it at all? He is not connected, as far as I know. Uh, I mean, they showed an image of him when they referenced the uh, the Sam Beckett character, but um, they, uh, you know, I'm not sure. If, there's always a possibility they could bring it in, but yeah, right now it's not not planned at the moment. Yeah, well, they might. I mean, it's between the 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 first quantum leap to this one it there has been a long road getting from there to here so we might see some bacula it's been a long road you're just gonna like going from in as much as you can of course favorite song ever i know i know we haven't done it in a while it's been a while i've got faith all right chrissy it's your turn why don't you go ahead and tell us what's going on in your sci-fi world um, as well, obviously, I had to read the Silmarillion, and you all nerds have been lying to me. I'm just gonna say this everyone's was like, Oh, it's such a dense book, it's so hard to get through. Bitch, that thing is amazing. I feel like I've been cheated this entire time out of a beautifully mesmerizing tale, and I was completely delighted by it. And I can understand why you reread it like multiple times because. It's, it is. It's dense. It's but, it's beautiful. Oh, I'm it's not so uh, not arguing. Beautiful. It's like yeah. I feel like I'm rereading like Beowulf or the Nibelungen Lead, and it's just gorgeous, poetic. I just I didn't find it dense at all. I found it just really relaxing and enjoyable. To you just have some tea and just sit and read. And, oh, it's cannot say enough about it. It's so good. There are some so beautiful, good. beautiful love stories in it. Oh, it's so nice. I absolutely love it. Um, So, read that, and it just made me hate the new show more, which is fine. Like, <laughs> me being salty, it's just, you know, par for the course. Yeah, um, pretty much. <laughs> am, I salty? am I salty about an adaptation of a book that I love? Yes. yes. So, well, I mean, te- technically, it's not an adaptation. Well, whatever this is, I don't like it. Yeah, all right. <laughs> um. Read The Raven Spell by Luann G. Smith, which was just refreshing. Just because I don't often read things that are like fantasy mysteries. So the mashup of the genre was nice. Um, the Atlas Six by is it Oliver, Olivia, Blake, one of the two. It's Oliver, Olivia. I can't remember. Um, was kind of disappointing after all the hype, but whatever. And then I read a very delightful. It was just it was just such a delightful, cute story. It was a retelling of um Peter Pan by called Dust by Cara Swanson. And it was just it was just adorable. It's just it's written for like 
early like younger teens like 13 14 but it was still it was delightful it's just one of those things where you're just like oh sure i'll read it like whatever and it was really cute um obviously watched battle for the stars and i was the whole time just like messaging dave like what the hell am i watching yeah pretty much (laughs) i was like what what is this a classic (laughs) it's something it is something let me tell you um and I, oh, what did I start? I started watching some other animes. I was trying My Hero Academia, or is that right? Yeah, I just started that because someone kept telling me how good it was. I was like, fine, fine, I'll go watch this type of show. We'll see if it's any good. Um, so I'll give you my thoughts on it probably next time. That's been what I've been doing. All right. And then for me, um, well, I finished First Lord's Fury. It was the final of the Furies of Cauldron and a beautifully climactic ending. Uh, I forget what I'm currently reading. I should uh, grab that off my phone while I'm talking about some other things. Unlike Chrissy, I am thoroughly enjoying Rings of Power. And um, I think that it's, pr- I think it's a pretty awesome show. Um, and uh, yeah. So I am I'm thoroughly enjoying the story and I'm allowing it to be influenced but divorced from the second age of Tolkien and I'm being kind of okay with that. Uh let's see what else. So obviously the movie for tonight I did watch it, Dave. Um Did you watch it with Kiefer though? That's no, what I, I, I did not watch it with Kiefer. I was like, uh, I don't uh the, the the other book that I'm reading currently is called Roadkill. And it's about these, it's about this MIT dropout and these two friends of his in a small town that end up running into, well, he runs into, he's on a delivery truck uh, where he runs into an alien and kills him um, and unveils through the process an elaborate conspiracy. Um, so it's kind of interesting. It's, it's funny. And they have an artificial intelligence artificial intelligence that is an absolute asshole and it's great uh so it's snarky and um and i'm and i'm enjoying that so i like snarky things yeah so there's that let me see what else i'm watching um oh uh obviously watching she hawk still enjoying that although i was incredibly disappointed there wasn't like a thing after the credits like they've been doing um but i'm trying to think that I was playing the original Star Wars soundtrack at school today, Dave. So you could have uh, propped in and heard the original score. Nice. Um, Heavily inspired by the, um, it's like back in the nineteen hundred, like early nineteen hundreds, by the Planets, the Symphony of the Planets. Ooh. If you have not gone back and listened to that, you really should. I forget who and you and you'll see and, you, and you'll see the influences of it oh it's so strong okay so i definitely recommend that if you like that you should go back and listen to the inspiration another vinyl another fiction. vinyl i need to pick up yes <laughs> yeah well yeah so i'm trying to think if there's anything else i mean those are the big things that i'm um into right now so i'm excited about andor dropping um oh I did watch the special where they talked about the return of Obi-Wan 
and it's kind of like the it's an hour long documentary on Ewan McGregor coming back to play Obi Wan, and it's like backstories, interviews, his production. I didn't realize that he produced or he was a producer on the show Obi Wan, but uh, so it was very informative. That's in Disney Plus, so I enjoyed that, and I watched the. Uh, Andor featurette they had there got me all excited for Andor. So that's been my sci-fi world. Nice. All right. Well, sounds good. Is there any um, is there any uh, other things we should need to talk about before we leap into Battle Beyond the Stars? I can't think of anything. All right. Bio. Let's get to the classic. Yeah, since yes. you main course. Since you um um suggested this, why don't you lead us into this? So this was Dave. Oh, Dave. Dave. This. Oh, see, I was obviously yeah. not paying attention. So it, you know, it, it, I mean, if you look for somebody to blame later. Ah, <laughs> uh, got it. Yeah, that's why I was messaging Dave, being like, "What the fuck am I watching?" <laughs> so I can't. I just sure, why not? But um, so, Battle Beyond the Stars came out in 1980. It's a, a young farmer sets out to mercenary defend his peaceful planet, which is under threat of invasion by the evil tyrant Sador and his armada of aggressors, and. Um, this film is notable for, you know, I, I think a lot for the, for the cast that it has and also for the um, behind the scenes, um, the, the, the crew people that uh, helped produce this movie. Uh, so, yeah, so th- that's where I'll start out with. All right. So, like, I was looking down the actors. I was not recognizing a lot of the actors' names. But you're saying it was known for its really? actors? Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Who's yeah. two of um, notable <laughs> actors from the, you know, from 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 the, de- you know, decades before and, and a little after. I mean, um, Robert Vaughn has been in, you know, I think it was the Mission Impossible TV show, I want to say. Richard Thomas. Uh, John Boy John from, Boy. you know, when I first saw this, John Boy is in a sci-fi movie. Um, John Saxon, you know, I've, you know, he's been everywhere. George Rappard, um, uh, A-Team. A- yeah, H- Hannibal from the A-Team. I mean, come oh, on. Yeah. Scott, uh, you're old enough. How do you not remember Civil Danny? Well, so you got you to understand that when I grew up in the, like, in the 70s and the early 80s, I grew up without television. Up till about um, probably the middle of the '80s, so I missed a lot of what you're talking about. And so, like, I hit the classics like Star Wars, I hit ET, and some of that stuff, but I didn't get I didn't get into a lot of the other stuff. So, a lot of the names I'm looking at, Richard Thomas, I recognize because of of his work in um, I just lost the name, but hey, John Boy, right? Like, I recognize, yeah, the Waltons. So, like, so I because my grandmother was watched even to her death was watching the Waltons, so. Uh, Earl Bowen. Um, I mean, you recognize him from the first Terminator movie. He played one. He was the lead Nestor. Those aliens and those white colored aliens. But uh, he was the uh, the psychiatrist that was, uh, you know, 
talk, you know, trying to talk, uh, uh, Sarah Connor off the ledge and, and, um, you know, trying to get, uh, um, what was, you know, at least from, uh, his perspective, um, um, Kyle Reese. Uh, so, so he, he has, he has a connection to Terminator. So a lot of these people have connections to bigger projects, um, that we, we know and love, but there should be one, one notable here that we all know. Um, a little known guy named James Cameron, um, you know, Avatar, Titanic, um, Aliens. Uh, he, he was the uh, special effects, the, the visual effects uh, d- director and director of photography for this movie. That's where he got oh. his. So, I mean, um, you know, he, he didn't get started directing movies. It was, it was like a lot of the visual effects for work working for Roger Corman. Right. So, so a lot of these people, you could say, you know, they had, they had careers before this, but some of them, you know, were starting out and this is where they cut their teeth on, on this movie. Yeah. All I saw was that, that Bill Paxton worked as a, on the set as a carpenter painter. Yep. So. I mean, that, that, that's, that, that's huge too. Yeah, and uh, James Horner doing the score for it. I mean, again, when I actually finally realized that that was him, and I'm rewatching this movie probably for the thousandth time preparing for this show, and I really start picking up like the Wrath of Khan themes and and sound in the in the score to this movie. I'm like, ah, that was the same guy. I heard Star Trek. It, you know the movie score in in this. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I just heard I heard Star Wars when I watched it. Well, uh, the story, yeah. But so, even yeah. even some of the soundscape with Star Wars, like when the ships appear. Oh yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that um, because I'm sure at least the sound effects they definitely sampled from different sci-fi genres over the years i mean oh yeah i i I, uh definitely stuff that came in from star trek original series and you know maybe battlestar galactica and buck rogers uh i don't know if it was legal what they were doing but it's like yeah i i know i've heard those sounds before and uh oh yeah definitely it's funny three you know this was in 1980 in 1983 there was another movie made called space raiders which literally took the score the the ship models the the space all the space scenes and everything were ripped directly from this movie frame for frame and i think it was if i remember right it was all another one of roger corman under his little umbrella. And apparently they took stuff from this movie in a bunch of different Roger Corman films. It's, it's really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We say Roger Corman. It's not, we say much on this podcast because, you know, his heyday was before, um, but you know, he produced a lot of sci-fi and horror movies over the decades. Some would say maybe B movies. Um, but, uh, you know, 
some have called him the Pope of uh, pop cinema. Yep. A lot of good classics out of there. Yeah. Um, I like that. I didn't realize that this was in watching it, that this was a, a, a remake of a fifties and sixties film. Yeah. Yeah. The seven it's samurai day. and the magnificent seven in 1960. Yeah. I was just, I had read that it was a redone of the seven samurai and I had actually watched the seven samurai. I want to say last fall. And now that I'm thinking about it, it really does follow that. Cause I was like watching this going, this plots, these beats seem really familiar to me. Yeah. Like, what? And even some of like the humor and stuff. I'm like, Oh yeah, this totally, totally feels like seven samurai in a like B movie. And space. Yeah. <laughs> it totally makes it funnier to me. I, you know, I was, I was watching. Like, what is this? I was watching this uh, today, and you know, I just I realized like how villains presented themselves in the late late seventies, early eighties, right? That laborious, intense talking that I will, you must comply. You know, it's very this it's very labored and cadence. That's that's. Um, a way of speaking that I thought when, when the moment they started speaking, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is definitely an early eighties, late seventies movie. I will return in seven cycles. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but it's, and it's that sort of speaking and it's, it's interesting. We don't, we don't get that in our vill in our villains now, you no. know, and that I think, I think thankfully because it's kind of unrealistic, eh, man? <laughs> but uh, it does. It does. It does denote an era of of filmmaking and, and how villains were kind of viewed. And I would I would argue that even probably Darth Vader and when he speaks, when James Earl James Earl Jones speaks for him, he speaks in that sort of way. And that's that's one of the relics that is kind of you know carried through in his is his is is his deliberate laborious uh, speaking. So. And the uh, the group laugh between all the you know the lead bad guy and his minions. Oh yeah, you know, that's that's something that's a product of his time. Oh yes. Yeah. Well, well, I just know that when I laugh in the classroom, I expect all my students to laugh with me. You know, that's just the way it goes. Although that does have some credence within psychology, is that you do tend to laugh with the dominant personality in a room. So it's kind of playing off of that, but it's, there is that undercurrent of expectation right. that I guess is to lend itself to the sinister thing. It's kind of like how there's this current trope now where like to show like how much power someone has, they're like, they like make someone like shave them or whatever. Cause I forget what is that, is that a current, that. is that a current trope? I yeah, like the, I, I, villain, I, the villain. The villain is sitting there and making some like person that you know, like shave them. I guess because it's to show like, it's like a power play or something. Right. Like, how dare they slit my throat when they shave me? Right. Well, <laughs> it, it's like I know that you're on the opposite side of me, but like I'm going to show how much power I have because I can still like you can hold my life in your hand and you still won't do anything to me. And that's kind of like the whole purpose of it to show that but right. it's kind of lame we need a new trope <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I demand a new trope. Yeah. Tired of this other one. Yeah, so let's talk here a little bit. What, like, how, how would you guys feel about the the, the way that the plot unwound in it? Again, it's kind of a recycled plot because they, they're pulling from an earlier movie, uh, and uh, many people borrowed from this movie too. You know, in the future movies. But how about the uh, the plot of this one? I, I love it. Uh, I, th- there's not much I don't really love about this movie. I mean, it is. Maybe it's all more nostalgia than anything. Maybe it's the the spaceship with the set of boobs that really enticed me when I was younger. So it was not just me who thought that. Oh no, no, no! That's been a running joke with me since I was twelve. I mean, it, it's you know only James Cameron could design something like that. But you know, it, it's it, it was your classic. You know, bad guy comes and peaceful innocent good guys end up beating him you know it was always always fun that way i mean the grossest thing was watching the the one nester get his arm cut off or at least seeing it after the fact but you know that's nothing compared to what i just watched on house of dragons yesterday yeah it's it's really not a big deal but i i loved everything Think about that. The plot of it, I mean, it, it's, it's it's your classic, typical plot. It's just a simple a simple movie. Reminded me of a simpler time, I guess. I love how it just kind of like shoves you in the middle of it, gives like zero oh, yeah. explanation to everything. They're like, I am the evil bad guy, and you're, the, you're like, wait, what? oh, okay, this is, what, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. Could and you have tolerated another 20 minutes of plot build-up, though, when you were probably, watching it, Chrissy? Probably not. I'm, I, was, I was like, okay, we're going. That's fine. This is an '80s movie. I respect this. I guess this spaceship, and he's like, "I'm going to kidnap you for my daughter." And I'm like, "Okay, I guess it's going to be death by snake sim." So I uh, YouTube uh, video about this movie, and the script was actually longer, which surprises me because this movie is an hour and forty five minutes, a long movie. But the the script. Some of the characters would have been developed a lot more. We would have found out more about them. Uh, I'm thinking the Gelt character played by Robert Vaughn. I mean, he seemed a little more deeper. And so um, we didn't get a whole – I think we would have gotten more information about him and maybe these other people that um, uh, Richard Thomas's character was able to get to join him in defending his world. Yeah, I did feel like the character seemed a little underdeveloped for – like, and then this person dies, and that person dies. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I guess I feel mourning. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm I'm not sure because I don't really know this person. But sure, very sad. It's like that scene in Loki. Very sad. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a lot more depth to to characters in that than we were able to flush out in that. But the Seven Samurai, I think, was a lot longer, wasn't it? I don't know. I've never watched that one. Uh, Yeah, I haven't watched that movie either. Uh, I'll have to check the runtime, because I feel like the Seven Samurai was a lot longer film. I think The Magnificent Seven, so if it was, like, basically heavily borrowed, maybe that's why some of them weren't as fleshed out. Right. Right. I mean, for 80s sci-fi, I mean, I think this movie, rightly or wrongly, is going to compare to Star Wars. 
and 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 I would probably lean towards rightly. I mean, Star Wars showed that uh, good big budget sci-fi movies will you know will draw, and I think this this movie was kind of um, you know trying trying to catch that wave. Um, you know, it, I, I it, but it only had a limited uh, theatrical release, but it found new life when it was like shown as a TV movie. That, that's how I remember watching this as a, as a TV movie. I mean, as a kid, I thought it was great. I mean, um, I see its flaws now, but I mean, it's a, but, but uh, it's a product of its time. And, you know, it, it, it's like a lot of movie, sci-fi movies back then. It's like, Hey, the star Wars thing is pretty cool. Let's, let's try to do our own version of it. And, um, but we'll do, but instead we'll do a we'll retail this, you know, the, uh, seven, you know, the seven samurais, but, uh, in space. Right. Well, yeah, you know, I think it certainly works. You know, you mentioned the star Wars. How, one of the things I was doing was watching the models of the ships mm-hmm. and the models of the ships and the details on them. Uh, you can definitely see an influence from star Wars coming into that. Well, yeah, I mean, um, I thought, uh, Sador's ship, at least the back of it looked like a, you know, Star Destroyer and the front of it looked like something out of Battlestar Galactica. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, this movie unashamedly borrowed from, you know, other, <coughs> other genres, it seemed in this, uh, in this production. Yeah. I mean, even Gelt's gun, I mean, it looked like the, so I don't, when Star Wars, the first one came out, I mean, there's a lot of merchandise for it. And there and, and one of the merchandise was the Han Solo laser gun and the Stormtrooper gun. And it looked like to me, like they took the Stormtrooper gun, maybe painted to make it look a little more glossy. But they, but that, that, that was Gelt's gun when he was shooting at uh, Shad. In that one scene before he convinces Gelt to join his quest. I don't know, Dave. What do you What do you think? Yeah, it it was very, um, very reminiscent. Like you don't get a full look at it, but the glimpse you see is uh, it, it is very, very, very similar. To, if not that, then it looked like it could have been like a redo of a prop of like one of the uh, the uh, rebel troopers blaster in the beginning of the movie there, except the, the gray is like re- repainted black. I'm trying to pull up and see if I can find an image with him holding the thing. Oh, yeah, no, that's definitely a stormtrooper. Yeah, okay, so it's not yeah. just... It looked like a stormtrooper gun. Yeah, very much so. The little scope on top of it really gives it away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm a gun nerd, whether it's sci-fi or real. <laughs> we all have our passions. Yeah, we do. But you figure they only had a $2 million budget, and a lot of that budget went towards... There's two... I mean, at the time, two... Um, bigger budget actors to, to pay. And that was uh, Robert Vaughn. And uh, I think it was George Pard. Um, they were the more expensive actors to pay for in this uh, film. 
Oh, yeah. Well, it certainly didn't go to their costume design. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it looks, Bird. I, mean, I gotta say, it would be really easy to cosplay most most of their, their costumes. I feel like you could just go to, like, any craft store and just pick it up, and it would look very similar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're looking for some Halloween costumes, just look at this film and go to, you know, Michael's. Get some foam, paint it, you'll be fine. I recommend the Valkyrie outfit. You know, I was looking at that. Like, if I'm going to cosplay, which one would you do? You know, I think I think I'm partial to the one where you first meet her in the ship. Like that the one, silver, the silver seashell looking thing. Yes, yes, that that thing. Yeah. That was the worst. It's the most in terms of costumes. Like just even like real, I'm like it looks so plastic and fake. I'm like I would do that just just for kicks. Just the headpiece alone. I know. Giant like, wings out of this thing. And like her hair, like it's so 80s. I love mm. I love everything about it. I probably one of my favorite 80s costumes. I would I would do that. I would love to see you cosplay. You know, maybe maybe I will make that a project. And I will have to unveil it in the spring or something. I would be more interested to see who would recognize the costume. You know, I should like do it and then like have like lollipops and be like, you got a prize for recognizing yeah. me. Good job. There you go. I bet if you took it to Shore Leave or Four Point, I'm sure some people would. Uh... I agree. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think I will. I think I will cosplay her. I, I haven't <laughs> I haven't ever cosplayed someone before, but I'm I'm being very inspired. <laughs> you would get points for um cosplaying somebody very obscure but you know something from a cult favorite uh-huh. character. Yes. Uh-huh. I shave my head down real good, I'll cosplay as one of the Kelvins. Yes, yes. And we'll just go together and just like see who recognizes us. <laughs> Definitely. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good time. What did you think, Scott? Um, you know, I very reminiscent of this style of movies. I you know, we, we had that remember when we had Tyler on, we had that discussion about the whole uh should Star Wars be remade? Um, this is this movie kind of falls into those categories. It's a product of the time, and it certainly has a nostalgia factor. But there's no way you're going to hold a modern audience. And there's some parts of it that I watch now, and I'm like, yeah, this is a this is a bit slow at times. They take they take a while to get to the point, and and that's just the way it is. And that's not bad. It just is kind of the reality, right? Well, it's a different way of telling a story. It's yeah, like absolutely. it's it's when I it, again, it's like when I'm reading a modern story, I have very different expectations than when I'm reading something from like the eighties. I just something I didn't share is I just started the old I think it's like the old man's war, which I wanna say was written in either like, like the seventies or eighties. And so I'm going into it with a very different idea of the pacing of a story, like how it's gonna be you know, how much showing versus telling there's going to be. And I don't think that they're necessarily like 
bad way of telling a story. I think that we go through various cycles of what, you know, of the expectation. Um, right now, I think in part because of, you know, social media and everything being like, so like right now, right now, right now, and like really short, you know, and lots of flashy lights to keep our attention. Um, you know, movies are a little bit more faster. Um, and sometimes I wish they were a little bit slower. So I think eventually we'll see maybe slower movies kind of taking over. Or maybe we'll just go with super fast movies and all be done in like five minutes. We'll be like, wow, a lot of explosions and move our, on with our lives. One of the two. Right. Yeah. Well, very, uh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe we will take a more return to the slower pace life. I think there has to be a point where in our society, we're that frenetic in our pacing that the slowness that we'll at least embrace it to some degree. I hope we don't go back to the seventies and eighties pacing though. 2001. While I love it as a classic masterpiece, just moves, just moves too damn slow. Yeah. But I will never, I will never deny that that is not a classic piece of film literature that you should watch. But it's still, wow. That that is true. Although maybe I am getting like a large appreciation for slower films because I have spent time watching some really old classics, primarily Japanese cinemas from like the fifties and sixties. Because for some reason, I'm on a kick for that. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I just like different things and I really like seeing where something comes from so like from a cultural perspective gives me a greater appreciation for what I'm watching now so uh, let me ask you this what do you guys how do you guys feel how effective is the villain of this movie? He's a, um, I mean, he's a plot device. I, I mean, he's not much of a character, to be honest. I, I thought, um, you know, it's just he's he's the reason why Shad is, you know, rallying these other people to help him save his world. Um, you know, he had, you know, he was a little funny in some places, but not the most effective villain, in my opinion. Right. Well, I mean, he's just your classic old style villain of I'm evil for reasons. He doesn't like he's just conquering, I guess, the galaxy, the universe. You have like no idea, like why, what his motivation is. He, he's just there to be evil and that's fine because a lot of times in those older movies they didn't really get into like the why someone was evil or what they were after all you knew was that they were coming to conquer or destroy or blow up the planets and you needed to stop them i mean in the original star wars darth vader was just kind of there being darth vader-y people, asking for the rebel plans, blowing up planets. You didn't know why. He was just there. You needed to stop him. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Well, I mean, 
when you compare this, I, I mean, I think, and I mean, uh, as much as, you know, enjoy for what it is, there's a reason why it didn't do more or accomplish more. I mean, I, I mean, I think, um, you know, the, the writing for Star Wars was a little more solid and it had, pl- it had places to go. There wasn't really after this movie was over. I don't know if there was going to, they were thinking of any kind of sequels or trilogy or anything like that, but. Oh, Darth Vader by far is the cooler villain. I mean. Oh yeah. Much more. He, he, he was much more sinister and like scary. He did a much more effective job of being just a big bad in the original Star Wars. Um, this had some sort of, like, you get that he wants another arm. You don't know why or where his arm went. Um, yeah. But, so, again, this film is not Star Wars. Right. Um, but it's, it's, it's enjoyable for what it is. Yeah, and, and 80s classic. Yeah, you, you get the sense... I mean, if when you watch it a lot, you, you start to pick up on a little more dialogue through there, and just using whatever context clues exist in the movie, that he he I, I would imagine he's pretty old because it's it sounds like the one point at the end where he makes the comment of "I wanted to live forever" sounds like he's constantly manipulating and adapting his own body to continue on. Like the the two mutant goons or whatever in the fighter talking about, yeah, you remember when this guy disobeyed orders? Yeah, well now Sador's wearing his right foot. You know, it sounds like he's just taking body parts and putting them on him to, you know, keep his just to stay alive and keep his his physical body moving. It's kind of what I always pulled out of it. And again, with no other real evidence to yeah, support that. <laughs> kind of what I was getting, although, I mean, yeah. maybe he should stop blowing up everybody and he would have more spare body parts. But that's just my opinion. Um, What's fun is that? Well, that yeah. is true. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, plot device, as you said, right? Plot device. That's it. But, but. That is it. All right, so what else do you want to talk about regarding this movie? Well, um, we, we talked about, you know, just the careers it launched. I mean, uh, I mean, for James Cameron, I mean, this was another project that, you know, helped, you know, get his, his name out there and, um, you know, was able to launch his career. Uh, James Horner was another one. Uh, with 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 the the scoring, um, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, for this movie, for me, I mean, I, it was a great, you know, TV movie I watched back in the early '80s. But I think what this movie contributed to really is, you know, giving some people an opportunity to, you know, cut their teeth on a project and show they could, you know they could produce and and create and, um, you know, go on to bigger and better things. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And a good cult classic that every card-carrying sci-fi fan will have to see at least once. Yeah, yeah. So if you haven't watched it, uh, we're watching it. You said it's available. It's on it's Freeview, about right? Which I'm watching kind of through Amazon for some reason. Yeah. yeah, you can get it on Amazon through Freeview. Yeah. Plenty of ads that they throw in at the dumbest places. Well, yeah, that was probably the most annoying thing was, yeah. <laughs> like, the where they put the ads... Like, it was, like, half of a second off of where they should have been. Uh-huh. So, like, I kept cutting people off, like, midway through the, like, a word, and then would come back to it. And, like, it, they would say the word, and then would move on to the next scene. So, I don't know, like, why or who did it. I, like, what did you guys have? Amazon, like, an intern go through that morning? And, no, like, no like the intern. I always blame the interns when I don't like what someone did. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I do I do have a question for you guys. You know, why the crystals? Like the early 80s, late 70s, you the dark crystal and you have crystals coming out. I mean, what's the fascination with the crystals here? Magic hippie tech. I, I guess. I'm maybe it has to do with crystals with the occult i don't know i am now going to probably spend a lot of time i mean Googling this i may end up down a number of youtube videos i will probably report back to you next time I so mean, maybe yeah. i mean you look at even like superman coming out with his you know the fortress and all the crystals involved with that in the same era well i mean were people like sitting around playing were there lots of crystals in D D? I wasn't playing D&D back then. That was the devil's brew. Well, I understand that, but I'm saying maybe the people who were producing these shows and movies and things were playing D&D and they were like crystals. Because now that I'm thinking about it, there were lots of crystals, I think, in like books and things that were in the 1980s. Maybe, yeah, because, I mean, lightsabers are powered by crystals. Hmm. That is true. I wonder, you know, sometimes they're really weird, obscure um, science experiments that were going on in, like, the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and they were, like, extrapolating out from those experiments some really interesting things into science fiction, like how they used to um, cryo-freeze mice and then microwave them to, like, bring them back to life. That's which right. is where you got a lot of, which is why you got a lot of um, cryo freezing going on in like 1960s and 70s sci-fi because of that experiment that they did. Unfortunately, they were never able to scale up from mice to larger um, creatures. But yeah, no, it did work on mice, microwaving yeah. them to bring them back to life. Lunchtime. Ooh. <laughs> if you're a cat, I guess. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think I learned that when I was watching today. I found out awesome YouTube um, show there. Yeah. If you like if you want to ever just learn the most random facts ever, just go watch today. I found out it's great. Um, yeah, so now I'm gonna have to go and look up crystals. Why, yeah, why crystals? Uh, but why crystals? I was just thinking about it when I was watching, and I was like, yeah. I would also think that, you know, if at 
least as far as this movie goes, I mean, you, you, you look at the, the planetscape scenes from, you know, Planet of Kier, and, and there's really no visible technology anywhere. So they're, they obviously have a level of space flight, so they can do this, these things, but to make it fit in the scene, I think you'd have to have something that could look futuristic and and you know and, and somehow technologically advanced but not like trekno babble devices and everything all over the place so what could be done cheaply uh, take a piece of plastic it's tra- transparent piece of plastic and cut it into a shape of a crystal why not may have just been a budgetary thing fit the scene yeah. I don't know. Could have been. Could have just seemed like new world, like new agey and yeah. mysterious. Well, I guess that's true too. You're coming out with a big uh, new age movement coming out of that time period, so that could also have been a possibility. Like I, I said, I'm probably going to research it, and I will. I will return to you. You will, and you will message us and let us know all your crystal wisdom. Yes. Yes. Uh, oh. So we'll change your name from Jen to Crystal and just be done with it. <laughs> it's like every year we're just going to come up with a new name new for name me. For, it's fine. It's fine. Whatever. It's what was my fine. name? What was my name? What was your name? I don't know. What was his name? What, um, your friend uh, uh, from work, I think called me Brian. Oh, that's right. He oh, Tyler kept calling yes. you Brian. That's right. So I'm Jen, he's Brian, although now I'm going to be Crystal, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time a group of people just gave me a new name, and we just went with it. Yeah, well, that Jen's courtesy of Kiefer, so. Yes. Well, is there anything else we need to say about this movie as we uh, as we think about it and uh, look at its place in here? As far as, I, actually, there's one question I have. When you, when you compare this movie to the... Uh, the movie's coming out of its era. Like, how does it stack up? I mean, it's always so that's always so subjective, and I get that, but I do think it's better than the Dune we watched. Better than David Lynch's Dune? Okay, we're okay with that. <laughs> so you know, there was several um I'm I don't want to say use I don't want to be derogatory when I use the term rip-off, Star Wars rip-off, but eh, it kind of is. There, there was other Star Wars rip-offs back then, too. Um, and maybe that, that's why this movie you know, may have only went, went as far as it did. Um, you know, for like I said, it, for, for its time, it was a great TV movie. I enjoyed it when I was a kid. Um, but, you know, you know, if they if they if they ever thought like remaking this movie, they would have to re- like flesh out the characters more, and you know, do something about the pacing. Um, and um, but uh, you know, like I said, I mean, it, it was a great sci-fi action adventure movie, and for. For, for, for on TV back in the 80s, it was great. Oh, yeah, it. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and Miles, you said you watched it when it was on TV? 
Yeah, I can't, I, yeah, I, yeah, I can't, yeah, that's how I was able to watch it um, back in the day. <laughs> Very good. And Dave, when did you run into it? Obviously not then. Um, yeah, I, I think it was one of those younger and had cable and we had like a free weekend of like HBO or Cinemax or something like that. And I watched it on there and caught it another time and ended up taping it on my old VHS recorder. And then down the line, I found it. You can get it now on Blu-ray and DVD. I have it on DVD, but you can get a Blu-ray DVD for pretty darn cheap. I'm sure. Um, Yeah, I think I got it. I ended up buying it then when I found it online at some point. I was really excited because I hadn't seen it for a long time. But yeah, yeah, I remember watching it on TV. Did you say you got it on Blu-ray? No, I have it on regular DVD. It wasn't on Blu-ray when I got it. Blu-ray wasn't a thing when I bought it, I I believe. I just wondered if it looked any better on Blu-ray. That's my question, but. Even the DVD looks pretty good. I mean, you're getting the same quality that you did when you streamed it, in all honesty. Right. Yeah, nowadays, there's uh, almost, you can't tell, but. but. I I would love to see a, as much as I hate them, I'd love to see a reboot of it, a little more modernized. I mean, especially like the the ship models and everything. I'd I'd love to see a more. Keep the keep the same basic design, but keep uh, get a little more modern spin to it, and see what they could come up with. Because I think it'd look pretty cool. Awesome. Well, Park Galactica did, did the reboot. Did that? Yeah. A lot of the ships from the classic show. Oh yeah, look, they looked amazing. So it's possible. Yeah. But I'm not sure there'd be enough interest for this movie. To make a reboot, but no. hey, who knows? they do everything anymore. You know, there was zero. No one asked for any of the live-action reboots of the Disney movies. Yet here we are. Right. Literally, yeah. no one asked for it. Right, right. Here we are watching this, but oh, that's you all right. all be watching it. I'm not. <laughs> but all right. Any final thoughts before we wrap up here tonight? No. This is, no. This is a delight. Yeah, delight is one word for it. So yeah, <laughs> that's why. Watch it again. There we go. There we go. Um, so uh, I guess we will in two weeks. We'll be back again to talk about maybe Andor. I don't know. What are we going to do? We're going to talk about the new Star Wars. Oh yeah, I feel I like we're obligated. It's kind of contractual at this point. It is. It is. But well, we can talk a little bit offline about what we want to do. We'll have at least two episodes out by then, and so we'll have to see. Well, more than that, I think the premiere's three, right? Oh, is it three? I didn't pay attention to all the news coming down. I'm just going to watch it. All righty. This was fun going back and look at something from way back when. Yeah, a little nostalgia going on. So. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, uh, we got to get going here. We got to close down the diner, close the shades, wipe the tables and all that jazz. So, Miles, why don't you take us out of the diner tonight? All right, till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Leave your tips on the table. And go boldly. That's right, with your crystals. Yes. With with your crystals. Oh, yeah. Don't forget your time crystals.
so no joke, I am right now Googling um, Chris. silver, no, silver thigh-high um, stiletto boots. Oh, great, <laughs> great, great. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, hmm, wonder how difficult it would be to find these. Probably not that yeah. difficult. You can find no. anything in Amazon. But, but. No, for 30, oh, they're size sixes. They would be so good, though. <sighs> Curses. I'm a size 10, nine and a half, ten. So it's going to be a little bit difficult to find, but mm. I am determined. Yes. It's be somewhere. It's going to flag you as a stripper or something. Well, we need one of those in the diner, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> also, we get like lots of like advertisements. Dude, do you have an OnlyFans account? I'll be like, yeah, yeah. like okay, well. Um, no, but no. Dave does. No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> looking at this, all I really need is some silver thigh high boots. It looks like a red, like a red one piece bathing suit, basically. Yeah, no, I think like a dance leotard. But oh, like, yeah, I'm gonna have, go. and so I'm gonna have to have my friend like cut out the the one part of it, and then we're just gonna like make. See, that's going to be a little uncomfortable, so I'm going to have to, like, figure out... But I bet she could, like, sew, like, nude, um... Like, a nude top to it. So that it would be a little bit more comfortable. Because, man, that's got to be uncomfortable having those, like, plasticky things against your breasts. But, yeah, yeah, no, we could, like... And then do that. Now, it looks like the hand things were around the wrists to the thumb so i could definitely get that so yeah no i think between me and and my friend sarah we could do this i'm gonna show it to her and i'll be like so you're gonna help me cosplay this and we're gonna have a blast there you go cool yeah i that is that is gonna be my uh winter project there you go can't wait to see it (laughs) be fun (laughs) we'll see if it actually happens but Yeah, yeah 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 All right. Well, hey, I got to get going right. here, guys. It's been real. It's been cool. I really enjoyed it. And uh, next time, let's pick something not from the 80s. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was I was a retro the 90s. Here. 90s. I have suggestions. Uh, you know, I was thinking um, we could review the Buck Rogers pilot sometime. Now, uh, which Buck Rogers pilot are we talking about? The, the one from the one from 1980. Oh, <laughs> there's that's my response. So maybe we'll give that. Maybe we'll give that a little time, Scott. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. We can maybe, maybe do that.